All right. You guys are so friendly. I love it. Um, I don't know where Cherish went. I think she hid. There she is. Um, Cherish, that was such a blessing. Um, I'm really annoyed that I actually have to talk now. Like, I would just like to sit in that for a while because that's so powerful. And it, uh, I think it goes a little bit with what I want to share today. Um, so I'm excited to be here. My name's Casey. Um, and over the past several weeks, we've been in a series of messages that we've called Journey with Jesus. Doesn't that sound nice? It would sound nicer if my slides worked here. Journey with Jesus. Isn't that nice? Journey with Jesus. Well, I have to be honest, um, it, it sounds like, uh, like a walk by a lake or a picnic, right? Like there should be hoagies provided when we get there. Uh, it's not always the walk by the lake, is it? Like it's not always the same pace, uh, sometimes, you know, you're walking, things are good. Other times you're like, hang on, just a minute, just a minute, Jesus, let me catch up. And, and actually, I would prefer, rather than to have a message about journey with Jesus, I would prefer um, to have a destination to Jesus. I don't, I don't always like the journey part. I'm a very destination person. Like, look, if we can cancel a meeting, let's cancel a meeting, right? If, if we don't need something to get us to where we want to go, why are we doing it? Let's just cancel it. Let's just end up at the place. Um, I want to accelerate the process in any way I can. But here's the problem with my way of doing things. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the, the journey... To, with Jesus, is the destination to Jesus. Because we can't get to the destination. We can't get there. It's not ready yet. He's preparing it, right? And so the journey is what we have to find ourselves in. It's what we have to lean into and what we have to um, feel comfortable with. You know, every time I think I, I have God figured out, every time I'm like, you know what? I just went through this major milestone in my life. Um, God taught me some amazing things. I think I'll take a break for a while. Like, God, I am very happy with my level right now. Why don't you go work on Jacob, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm very good at this level. And God's like, no, I want to talk to you, right? Uh, every time I feel like um, I'm in this new place, he opens another door to show me. He opens another space of my heart that I didn't know existed. He shows me another pain that I don't want to deal with. He shows me someone else in need that I need to go love. And most of the time, I don't like that, who I have to go love, right? I want to choose who I get to love rather than God showing me who I need to love. But I also find, as I go through this, there there comes um, growth in that. And there comes a time where I say, wow, I now 
have a skill. I've, in this situation, I don't recognize myself anymore when that situation happens. I don't recognize that loving word that just came out to someone who really annoys me. Like, I don't recognize who that person is, and it's this journey with Jesus that produces it. And, and in fact, you know, I think I would really like the journey to be like this, right? But Jesus is more like, it's like this, right? This is the reality of the journey. And there's times where you're walking, you're holding hands, you're skipping. I would skip. My kids would be so embarrassed if I tried to do that in front of you. And there's times when Jesus is like, freaking run! Get away from that person! Now go love that person. Get away. No, not that person. That person. Go. And, and he directs us through this path. And there's times where he says, I want you to go the distance with this person. Like, I, this is a person that I've put in your life. This is a person that I've called you to be with. And then there's other times where I feel like I should do that because that's what, that, that's what God says. And God's like, no, not that one, not that person. And so the longer I, I've known God, the more I understand that I don't know anything, right? I was very smart when I was 20, and something happened between 20 and 40, and I lost all of it. <laughs> like, I started over. Yeah, uh, yeah the, it probably was my kids. That's true. <laughs> so I'm going to embrace the title, Journey with Jesus. But because Daryl's not here, we can tweak some stuff, right? We could mess with it. Can we turn off the podcast for a minute? No, just kidding. Uh, we can have some fun because I don't. Th- it's more than that to me. So I'm going to rename the title of the series today, and I'm going to call it "The Amazing, Terrifying, Exhausting, All-Encompassing, Joyous, Life-Changing Journey with Jesus." Amen. Because it's so much more to me than that. So. If you can memorize that, we're going to have you come up and say it. Say it with me, actually. Let's say that together. The amazing, terrifying, exhausting, all-encompassing, joyous, life-changing journey with Jesus. Now add your own adjectives to that, right? Adjectives, right? Yeah. Okay. Painful. I like it. Give me some other adjectives. Come on. Frustrating. Frustrating. What? Jesus is frustrating. He is so freaking frustrating. <laughs> he is. I'm going to show you today where he frustrated everybody. It's like, finally, the Messiah has come. Awesome. Let's get our swords. We're going to go up against the Romans. Let's go. And he's like, nah. That's not how it's going to work. He is very frustrating sometimes, right? And for me, I'm never frustrated, so I don't really know... How that works. What was that? Okay. Uh, During the series, we've learned that when Jesus came, he came to do something new. He came to complete a work that had already happened. We spoke about him getting baptized by John the Baptist, and I think that must have been terrifying for John the Baptist, right? Like, okay, how long do I hold you under? (laughs) Like, you never live that down if you drop Jesus when you're baptizing him, right? We learned about him being tempted in the desert, and I love this, where he's like, the temptation comes, and he's like, boom, word of God. Temptation comes, boom, word of God. I think we need to be like that in our lives. And last week, Daniel gave a really great message about Jesus calling some of his followers, Peter uh, and the fishermen, 
and saying, hey, you know, take your, take your nets back out, right? And they're like, dude, we got this, right? And how many times in our lives do we do that? Jesus, I'm good, I'm good, I got this. So. But at this point uh, in Jesus' ministry, the word starts to spread about him. Um, people start to hear what he's saying. Um, I think at this, this would be the point where the podcast starts, right, in my life. Like, okay, he's got a little bit of a platform, and now his message is getting out there, and people start hearing this message, and they start to do any, what's natural for us whenever something new comes into our life. We have to figure out how to label it, right? What do we call this thing, right? So there's groups that are like, you know what? He is an amazing rabbi. He's this great new teacher that's come. He's fresh, right? He teaches in shorts, you know? He's, he's, he's this really cool new teacher that's come. And then there's, you're like, dude, he is so much more than a teacher. He's a prophet, right? He's, he's got these words from God. And, and people are like, not only is he a prophet, he's Elijah. Remember Elijah? The dude never died. He's like Elvis. He's still alive. He's somewhere. We found him. Here he is, right? And those were the people that liked him. They're the people that didn't like him. He's a blasphemer, right? He's speaking against God. He's leading people astray. How can we allow this to happen all the time? He's God. That cracks me up that they kept viewing him as an extension of something old. Like this is the next chapter to the Old Testament. He's the next prophet. He's the next teacher. And what we're going to find when Jesus comes to talk to them is he's really not there to be the next anything. He's there to change everything. He's there to split things in half, and everyone is going to have to rethink what they think about God, what they think about worship, what they think about sacrifice, what they think about family, what they think about how they have to treat their wives, what they think about how they have to treat each other. It's all going to change at this point. And I think he just didn't come right out and say it because everyone would have been like, Mm-mm. no, I don't think so. That message is too radical. And the funny thing is, that message is just as radical to us today as it was to the Jewish people that he was speaking with. So if you have your Bible, uh, open to Matthew 5. And I'm going to have it up on the screen too. Your Bible most likely refers to this section as the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone see that in there? Um, that's not what Jesus called it. Jesus didn't name it the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, the, most um, New Testament scholars believe that this message was given over and over again. It wasn't just a one-time event. That this was, wherever Jesus went, he gave this message. And in fact, if you put the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chronologically, it probably happened over the course of six to eight months that Jesus gave this message over and over again everywhere he went. And so the crowds were following him, hearing this message over and over again. So I, it kind of became like his platform, or it became like his stump speech, right? No, I didn't say Trump speech. <laughs> I would do my Trump impression for you. But my wife says every time I do it, she finds me less attractive. So <laughs> I've got to... I've got to... Stay away from my Donald Trump speech. 
I'll just give you that part of it. Um, <laughs> so this message really is less of a sermon, less of a teaching, as it is a new way of thinking, a new way of understanding who God is. And honestly, I think it is the most challenging chapter of Scripture in the whole Bible. Like, I can't wrap my head around some of this. It's so challenging. And yes, Donald, the kingdom of God is huge. Bigger than Gina. No one got my joke. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You see, what we need to know, whether you like it or not, whether it's right or not, whether you agree with it or not, you have a view of God. And that view is often made up based on the culture that you grew up in, um, the pains and hurts that you've gone through, the experience in your life that you've had. But just like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the disciples, all the people, we all have this image of God. And the funny thing is, when Jesus comes, he says, look, I'm here, I want to tell you what I'm really like. I want to tell you what the kingdom of God really is. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God that you may not know. And uh, I had this conversation a while back with someone in my family that I'm not going to mention, Uncle Kenny. Um, <laughs> and this, this happens to be a lot where someone feels the need, it must be something in my mannerisms or way I present myself, that they feel like they can open up to me. And it's funny because I'm, I, my personality is not really that. Like, uh, I, I mean, you can open up to me if you want, but sure, share your life story with me even though I didn't ask. Go for it, right? <laughs> and this gets even stranger when fe- people find out I'm a, I'm a Christian. And I don't know if you've experienced in this, this in your life. Someone finds out you're a Christian, and all of a sudden they start preconceiving what you think about their life, right? Like they are almost like, making you prejudge them, and you're like, I didn't say anything. Why are you pissed at me? I didn't say anything. Um, And this happens to me a lot of times everywhere I go, and people will say something to me like, you know, hey, Casey, Casey, let me tell you something. You're always in trouble when you hear, let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I don't know what that means, I think it's something with candles and essential oils or something like that. But, but people, I, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And I'm like, ooh, that's scary. Like, what does that mean, right? So, but anyway, I'm having this conversation with my uncle. And it was, it was one of the first times that Lisa had come and met my extended family. And my extended family, I'm trying to think of a great way to, to characterize it. They're a little different. Can we say that? They're a little different. Uh, and, but they're awesome. I love them. And we're at this party, and my uncle pulls me aside, and he says, Casey, let me tell you something. This is what I know about God. I'm like, oh, great. And, and my uncle has an opinion on just about everything, um, often uninformed, but always entertaining, always entertaining. And he's, let me tell you something. There's that word again, right? Careful whenever someone says, let me tell you something. One day... I'm going to sit down with God. We're going to crack a beer open, the two of us. And he's going to say, you know, looking at your life, 
You did a lot of good things. You did some bad. You did a lot of good things, but you did some bad. I, I think it'd probably look like this. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, 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 did, you did a lot of good things. You did some bad. You know, but overall, the, the good outweighs the bad. So come on in. Come on in. And I'm like, wow, that could have gone a lot worse, right? And he's like, I'll tell you one other thing. Oh, boy, here we go. Here's the thing. When you sit down with God, I know you don't drink beer, but, but when I sit down with God, got to make sure the beer's cold. Great. Thank you so much for helping me with that. I'm going to carry my kegerator with me into the pearly gates uh, so that I could have a, a conversation about him. Um, now, listen, this is funny, but it's, it's, it's the fact that we all have this perception of God, right? We all have this perception of who Jesus is, what God is, what he's done in our lives. And just as his, you know, beer pong with God sounds crazy to me, we all have these crazy views of God, right? We always have crazy views of Jesus. We even take hurts and pains that have happened in our lives and we blame God for them, right? And like, why didn't you stop that? Why didn't you do that? Why this? Why this? Why this? Why this? Why that? And we put that on God. And God says, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I was with you there that whole time. The same thing was true with the crowd Jesus was speaking to. Um, because the context of his message was completely different than what they wanted. Um, they wanted a different kind of savior. They wanted someone to come and do something different. So let's look at a couple things that he said. Uh, we'll start in verse 3. It says, maybe, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, those are, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this was absolutely crazy with the crowd that was there. This was, this could have been a mic drop moment, right? Like Jesus could have walked aside. This was against everything they had been taught, everything they believed. This went against it. In fact, if you look at the patriarchs in the Bible, the famous people of their time, Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. David was rich. Solomon was extremely rich, right? One of the richest people that ever lived, most historians believe. How can you say, God, that it's not okay to be rich? That, that, how can you say, God, that it's blessed to be poor in spirit? How can you say that to me, God? When what I've been taught all my life is that God blesses people with wealth. And if you're doing the right thing, wealth comes with that. How can you say, now Jesus, how can you come and say, blessed are the poor in spirit? And we do the same exact thing in our culture. We idolize the rich and famous. I did this thing just to test myself. Who are the people with the top five people with the most Twitter followers. Let me see if you guys can get the, the people with the most Twitter followers. Top five. Ye yell it out if you know one. Trump? No. Not Trump. What's that? Not Kim Kardashian? Anyone? Anyone? Nope. 
Justin Bieber is one, yes. Any others? Someone's Googling it right now. Let me send a tweet. Who has the most Twitter followers? Uh, Katy Perry was on there. Uh, Barack Obama was on there. Everyone else was a singer. That's all I'll say with it. Uh, Brianna, yes. She doesn't even have a last name, and she has a lot of Twitter followers. That's amazing to me. Lady Gaga. Okay, thank you for completing our list. We idolize these people, right? Because they're rich or because they're famous or because they're, they're good-looking. I don't know why I don't have more Twitter followers because I have many of those same aspects. We follow them around with cameras and we call it reality TV, right? And then worse, we watch it. We watch that junk, right? We do the same thing in our culture. And when I read this, I was so convicted because I know that I deal with this big time in my life. Like, what I view people as and, and what I think um, of this in my life. You know, over the past um, several years, God has really put on Lisa and, our, and my heart this quest to live well below our means. And it goes, I would cherish God, it was a great segue for this. Um, and, and part of this is we want to be able to give, right? Like, the, we want to be able to bless people. But there's this other part. We want to travel. We want to go see places. We want to go do things. We want to uh, have these fun experiences as a family and with our kids. And so we got radical about this. We had built this beautiful townhouse that we got to pick out everything that went in it. We spent too much money on it. But it was, like, ideal for us, like, we had a floor for every person in the house. It was wonderful. We didn't have to be together at all. It was perfect. No, <laughs> I joke, barely joke. Uh, but we had this giant house. We got to pick everything. We got to pick the colors, everything. Then we moved our furniture there, and we're like, you know what? We don't like our furniture here. Let's get some new furniture, right? And none of this was bad. Like It was within our budget and within our means and, and all of that said, look, though, if we really want to do these things, let's get a little radical with this. Let's, let's change something. So we sold our townhouse, and we moved into a 1,300-square-foot condo. Uh, I work from home. I don't have an office to work from home. I work out of a little closet that's in our bedroom. Works great, by the way. Uh, I still get great work done. Uh, we went, so we sold our house, we moved into, the, our family thinks like, we're bankrupt, I don't know what, the, everyone's like, what? What are you doing? And we're like, look, we want to travel. And the house payment from the big townhouse to the condo, we cut our house payment in half by doing that, right? We have, and so oh, we're going to throw that in a fund, right? And we're going to go travel. And we've done some amazing traveling this year. We've been to Washington, D.C., I've been to Cambodia. We've done like all these things because we have room, we have margin in our lives to be able to do them. Um, then we got kind of like obsessed with it. So now we're like, why do we need two cars? We could have one car, right? It is doable because I work from home. It's inconvenient, but it's doable. There's times where all of us are here at church early because one person needs to be at church early, right? But it's okay. We're, we're living through it. 
Uh, and it's just been this huge blessing in our lives. And before you misunderstand what I'm saying, and I, I you cut me off because I'm too obnoxious, uh, I'm not telling you to do this, right? I am telling you to live within your means. Absolutely. Everyone nod their head. I want you to live within your means. You want some nice stuff? Go get it. I'm pr- happy for you to go get it. I like that. But just make sure it's the right stuff, right? Make sure that God's good with it. And if that's your, make sure you want it. Because a lot of people go get the stuff they don't even want, right? Like, that's fine. If that's, if this is something that God has put on our heart. It's not some vow of poverty or, you know, thing like this. Like, we are spending money just in different ways, right? And so all this blessing that's come out of this, uh, this great time that we had in Washington, D.C., just life-changing to get to spend a whole month there with my kids and see everything. You know, we, we're actually probably over it by the time we left. Like, okay, that's enough time in Washington, D.C. Um, but the thing is, it's funny when I share this, I, I have a lot of tension sharing this today. Um, even with all the blessings, all the good parts that have come with it, I'm very self-conscious about it. When I think of having someone over for dinner, it stresses me out. When I think, like, uh, maybe I could have someone from work, like, pick me up, or, you know, like, it stresses me out. See, the inside of the condo is really nice. We, we've redone a bunch of stuff. We've, you know, we really like it. The outside's a little rundown. And we're okay with that. But there's this thing inside me that I'm like, I don't want people to think that I'm not successful. I don't want people to think that I have to live here. Right? I'm, I'm dealing with this. This is a step on my journey with Jesus. And now that it's funny that it takes this to make me think of it, it's probably what God's trying to teach me with this, right? Is, look, Casey, that does not define success for you. That is not how I see you as successful, but it's a part of my heart that I struggle with. Because this, this message freaks me out. What do you mean, blessed are the poor? I thought I was supposed to ignore the poor, Right? What do you mean this? What do you mean that? Jesus, this is not fitting inside of the nice little box that I have set up for you. Please come sit in your box, Jesus. He does not like to sit in boxes. I'll tell you that. Please sit in the corner, Jesus. You are in trouble. You go to timeout. This is part of my journey, right, with Jesus. It's a new thing that he's teaching me. It's an issue I didn't even know I had until he walked me into this part of my life, this part of my journey with him. He says, now, Casey, I'm going to work on your heart with this. I'm going to work on your heart. I grew up in a very poor family. We didn't have stuff. Like, we really struggled. My mom was a de facto single mom who married kind of wrong choice after wrong choice. And so when I had the power to control my income, when I had the power to control having money, that was a big thing for me. And I think God brought me into that place, right? And now he's like, okay, but there's one other thing with this. There's one other thing. Now don't be in love with it, right? Don't be in love with it. Verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay, if there's one thing the Jews did not want to hear, it's blessed are the meek. And you have to understand this culture. This was a conquered people, right? 
They had been, they had gone to war and lost the war and were now living under oppressive Roman rule. This is like if the Canadians were like, hey, mate, let's go take over America, right? And they take over where we live. Or Idaho's like potato cannons, right? And comes, takes over Utah. And I had a rental car with an Idaho plate for like three weeks, so it's messed with my head. Uh, These were oppressed people. These were people whose rights were taken away. They were people who had this whole history of being kicked out of place after place after place, usually because they didn't listen to God, but different message. Um, and, but they always had this hope. They had this hope that this Messiah is going to come. They had this prophecy. This Messiah is going to come and is going to liberate us, right? So here's the Messiah, and he's like, blessed are the meek. And they're like, what? You mean blessed are the strong, right? Like, where's that God that we know about? Where's the God that opens the Red Sea until the Egyptian soldiers get there and he closes it? That's the God we want. Where's that God? Where's the God with all the plagues, right? Like, do you know him? Can we get him here? Like, remember the blood in the water? That was a good idea. How about some frogs? Let's smite somebody already. Like, what are we waiting for? What about the pillar of salt thing? That was cool. Maybe we should try that again. But that wasn't what Jesus was saying. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh no, Jesus, come on. First, we got to be meek. Well, maybe we can be meek and still win, right? Maybe God will do some big thing, and then we, we can be meek, but God's big, right? I'm weak, but God's strong. Maybe we could live in that, right? And then God frees us. No, God says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. And man, this is an issue for us in our society right now. You know why? Because it's a lot easier to yell than it is to listen. It's a lot easier to post a passive-aggressive Facebook comment than it is to take someone to coffee and listen, right? It's a lot easier to hide than to be with people. You know, we have, um, we're connected in more ways than we've ever been before. More ways than we've ever been before. And the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. In our own state, the teen suicide rate is through the roof. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. And man, this convicts me again. And I remember a time where I was a teenager. I was very zealous for God and um, misunderstood God. I didn't know God. And so I joined this protest um, at this clinic. It was at a clinic that performed abortions. Sorry. So convicted by this today. And we had these signs. We were going to go stand up for God. We were going to protect these unborn babies, right? We were going to protest. And the minute I got there, the second I got there, I knew this isn't love. This isn't love. But there's peer pressure. There's church peer pressure. I hope you guys know that. I got my sign, and I walked around the circle, and people were screaming just these horrible things. 
And I'm like, I, I can't be a part of this. I, I have to leave. And so I go to leave, and I see this car pulling out. And three or four people from the group run over and stand in front of this car. And they put their hands on the windshield, and they start screaming at this girl inside this car. And I can't imagine what's going on in her life, right? I can't imagine being in that position and feeling like that was my only choice. And at that moment, God, more clearly than I think he's ever spoke to me, said, this is not love. Because real love would have been a pain in the butt. Real love would have been loving this girl, right? Real love would have been rallying around her, helping, writing a check, adopting her kid. That's what real love would have done, right? Later, um, we're so blessed because adoption has been such a big part of our lives and got to see what Pregnancy Resource Center does when they meet with people. It's love, but it's easier to scream. It's way easier to scream than it is to live with people in their brokenness and hurt, but it's the journey Jesus takes us through. He says, look, you can't get there. You can't get to me unless you're willing to go on a journey with me. And I, I, this part is so painful to me about my walk with God that I was part of this. As believers, it's really easy for us to get to a place where we love our religion, we love our beliefs more than we actually love the people the religion was designed for, right? We get so hung up on being right that we push people away. And I think this, this is a big reason why some people can't connect in church because they, they say, look, I came here and you were so focused on being right that you could not love my divorced mother who was going through a crisis. You couldn't love my gay brother because you had to be right. And Jesus says, walk with me. This is a journey. I'm going to take you on a journey to love. Because blessed are the peacemakers. And man, did they not want to hear this. And man, do I not want to hear it either. Because I want to say, blessed are the isolated. Right? Blessed are the people in their home offices working on an Excel spreadsheet. Those are blessed people. No. Blessed are the peacemakers. And even goes, and man, he just can't stop. He's just like, burning this message in. And people are like, stop, stop. Okay, okay, we don't understand. And he's like, let me give you some more. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You can't hide. And the Jewish people were like, no, we have been taught we do not marry a non-Jewish person. We do not bring people in. This is the whole story of the great Samaritan, or, or the woman at the well, right? Like Jesus meaning with a Samaritan woman. Right? But it was totally outside the culture and the context of what they lived in. And it was messing with their view of Jesus. And he started to teach in a different way than anyone ever taught before. 
He said this several times. I'm going to go through all of these. He says, you've heard it said, then blah, 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 blah. But I tell you this. You've heard it said that it's wrong to commit adultery. But I tell you this. If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Crap. Crap. Because I cannot commit adultery. Like, I can put some safeguards around me. I can't even look. Crap. Because it's a journey that we're going with. He says, you've heard it said. Who was the person that you heard it from? Moses. He's like, look, I know Moses said this. That's a pretty intimidating person to go against, right? Look, I know Moses, Elijah, these pillars of faith said this, but I've come to tell you this. It's different now. It's different now. And he sets this in, these impossible standards. When you look at him, I can never look at anyone. I can never have anger in my heart or I've committed murder. Crap, I committed murder like seven times this morning already. Like, the police are coming in any moment to get me because of this. But that's not the point. The point is, you can never get there because it's a journey, right? Every time you take a step, you got another step to take after that. God wants us on the journey. The journey is the destination until the destination is ready, and he takes us home, right? We're on a journey with Jesus. In other words, if the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Law of the Prophets was a math problem, Jesus was the solution to the math problem, right? If the Old Testament, the laws, all of that were an assignment, Jesus was the answer key to the assignment, right? If it was a jet, he was there to land it. It's different now, from now on. The worship team could come up. Um, you know, this message was just upside down. Everything he said was upside down. And I think it's easy for us to look at the Pharisees, look at the Sadducees, look at the Roman officials and be like, how could you not know, right? How could you not know? What, look what you did to the Savior of the world. But I think we do the same thing every day. Like, it's just as challenging for us because of the world that we live in, the crap that we've gone through, that it messes with our view of God. It, cha- it distorts it. And Jesus comes to say, hey, let me really tell you about the kingdom of God. It's different than what you thought. Let me tell you something. Scary words. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. It's not what you think. Let me tell you about my father. It's not what you think. It's different. And he asks us, and he knows we can't live up to the standard. And so he asks us, he says, please come on this amazing, terrifying, exhausting, all-encompassing, joyous, life-changing, what was your word? I forgot, frustrating. What was it? Painful. Journey with me. Because you know what? The end of the journey, there is a destination. And that destination's coming. But we're all on a journey until we get there. And so I I love what Daniel said. I don't know if it was last week or the time before that, but that we all have, we're all on this journey. We all have this next step to take. Whether your next step is like, I don't even believe in God. That's okay. Like the next step may be like, 
Are you there? Are you real? Pray that prayer, I dare you. You'll answer. Maybe the next step is like me, like God needs to work on my pride. Like that's my next step with God. Maybe your next step is like crazy awesome, like you need to freaking pack your house up and move to Cambodia. That's your next step. I'm so jealous. Let me say that first, right? It's whatever that next step is. I just want to encourage you to take that next step and be okay with the journey. Let's pray. God, you're so frustrating. (laughs) This is so hard. This world is so hard, God. But you are so good. God, help us love. Help us be peacemakers, God. Help us be meek and poor in spirit, God. Help us understand this call you have on us, Lord. Help us start this journey. Give us strength for the journey, God. Give us endurance for the journey, God. Even as the youth get tired and faint, God, like you say, that the strength is there for us, God. Help us live in that journey. Help us take that next step towards you, God. Thank you for the gift of your son and the redemption that you give us, God. Thank you for your patience with us because we love you so much. Let's stand and worship. Oh, actually, we can't stand and worship yet. Well, we'll worship in a different way. Um, We're going to take our offering. Daniel sent me a message. Hey, you want to do the offering? And I was like, I'm going to forget. And I was right. It's bad if the treasurer forgets the offering. (laughs) Right? That's really bad. So... um, Bless you for your giving, um, especially this time of year. This is a, a tough time of year for churches. You know, everyone takes off and has fun during the summer, which is awesome. Uh, but then, you know, giving dips, you know, over that time. Um, so I want to thank you for your faithfulness, your generosity. I just want to echo, uh, cherish a story. Like, that may be your next step, right? It's God's saying, write the freaking check, right? Like, and, and I love, I love Cherish's story of like, okay, I'm going to do this amount. I'm going to start with this amount. I'm going to test God. I'm going to see what he does with it. So I just want to encourage you in that. And know from our heart, it's never about the money. It's never, we don't care. You don't want to give it to us, give it to someone else, right? But God wants to do something in your heart with that. He wants you to be like him and he's a giver. So, all right, go ahead, Daniel.